Hello, this is Chris O'Regan, and you're listening to The Sausage Factory. episode 371 of The Sausage Factory. Welcome. In this episode, I chat to Zachary Torres and Luciana Nascimento of Bunny Hug Games about their fishing-focused action-adventure game, Moonglow Bay. I really like this game. Another highlight from 2021. Now, granted, you could be listening to this show anytime, maybe sometime in 2023. It doesn't matter. There's no topical aspect of the sausage factory it's just an evergreen show it's how i originally designed it all those years ago back in 2013 here's me banging on about time but time doesn't mean much in moonglow bay it just just on but sadly at this point in time when the player starts in moonglow bay things aren't great in the town and um, you're there to really rebuild it Bring back the economy, bring back the people into the town and see it flourish. But you have to answer some questions, namely what happened to your partner, because that's how it starts with a tragedy, a terrible, terrible tragedy. But that's not the game. The game isn't a tragedy at all. It's wonderful, beautifully created. Of course it is, because it's on the Sausage Factory. Only wonderfully created games are on this show, trust me. And Zach and... Lou are wonderful guests, or were wonderful guests, are wonderful guests. And they were very open and honest about the trials and tribulations of making this extraordinary game. And, uh, well, without further ado, let's listen to me talk to Zach and Lou about Moonglow Bay. 
Chris, take it away. Lou and Zach. Hi. 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 Could you tell us who you mm. are and what you do? Sure. Lou, you can go first. Uh, okay. Uh, um, Luciana Nascimento. I am art director and co-founder of Bunny Hug. Worked on, we just released Mongol Bay. And we wear many hats. Yeah, I'm Zach Suarez. I'm the co-founder and creative director on Amunglo Bay. Uh, also, yeah, many hats can go deeper. Did the voxel art on the game and it was lead design, basically. Someone looked at a Gantt chart at some point between the two of you. <laughs> <laughs> so one of you, both of you were producer at one point, right? Am I thinking that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. we noticed that producer, producer ended up being much, much better their job than we could ever be. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You think, come on, I, I'm, I'm self-disciplined. No, no. You, it's like you are to a point you can manage yourself, but yeah. no, you can't. <laughs> Unless it's your sole job managing yeah. a bunch of others. Yeah. Oh. You just got to, yeah, it's, it's a very strange thing. And those those charts don't, you know, they don't make any sense. Anyway, anyway. these things we could rant about <laughs> later, but they're, they're a tool. And people use them. So next question, and there's asked between the both of you, so Lou and then Zach. <laughs> Lou, uh, how did you make your start making flashy, lighty video games? Um, sorry, could you repeat the question? I think I yeah. missed the... Could you, how did you make your start making video games? Okay, so uh, I used to, when I was a kid, I used to rack, ha hack, sorry, dog, dog here. I used That's to right. rack rooms of... Uh, of Pokemon, I used to create like custom servers of Hagdarak Online for myself and nobody would be included. I just wanted to see how it was. And, and then I, I really loved doing that. And at some point I was searching for what course I was going to do during, during high school because I did college with high school. And it was between fashion and, and games and I felt like I didn't really have a place in fashion. I felt like I would be more at home making game, make, game, making games, and I already had the the experience, and and I had so much fun doing it by myself. So I ended up pursuing it, and from from that I got job in design, not in game design, in graphic design, then animation, then eventually I started freelancing for indies, making pixel art, and I've been there, been doing that since two thousand thirteen. So wow. Uh, I, I, I love the hell the pixel art stuff. It has come up a few times on this show. And, uh, you know, I'm not the youngest of fellows, so I remember the 16-bit days. It's what you two do, do is a bit when you think, oh, yeah, it looks like 16-bit games. Like, no, no, they don't. No. Yeah. yeah, exactly. No, no, they can't do, no. The frames, have you seen Dead Cells? Uh, a, a snare's trying to run a Dead Cell um, would, would just bend and explode. Like, no, I can't do this. Yeah. <laughs> If I if I have to explain to like Border Patrol what I do, I say like, oh, you know the the little Mario that you used to see jumping around when you were a kid. That that the image is that's what I do. But if no, if someone comes call it eight bit or sixteen bit, no, and no, no, now I'm yeah, good. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, it's the frames of animation. I know you know this. Yeah. It's the assets and the frames and all <laughs> those colors, everyone. And I lived through a time when I had a computer and he had two. Black and white. Sorry, the mm -hmm. colours. <laughs> and no sound. Anyway, 
I'm not joking. Anyway, Zach, how did you make... <laughs> oh yeah, I'm aware of that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how, how did you make your start making uh, video games, sir? Uh, for me, it was a lot later than what I, I would say the usual people you encounter. I actually pursued a completely different career first, but in my last year of university, I was exploring um, city simulation because I had a degree in urban planning. I was trying to figure out how to simulate uh, city generation and how you can do projection stuff. And I, in that same year, I took an elective in, in just game studies, just understanding games and it's, and how it works with transmedia and stuff like that. And, um, I was like, this is, this is a lot more fascinating than I thought. And I kind of started diving into it. I was already exploring, like, uh, I already pl played tons of games, obviously, but like, um, I was kind of exploring where I would fit in video games. I, I know how to do music. I did some programming. I, I I did a bunch of everything, but I was not, there's no focus. And I um, stumbled upon a voxel editing tool called Cubicle. And I was like, this is this is exactly what I need, not only for to play with game, to make games, but to do my work for <laughs> my degree in, design, in developing like raw data of city simulations with the voxels and stuff. And I was like, all right, this is it. And I actually just fell in love entirely with the game development part of it <laughs> and graduated and stuck with the game part. Got uh, tried my hardest to find like small freelance gigs. Cause I started in, yeah, as well, 2013 doing voxel art specifically. Um, and there's like nothing, no one was doing the voxel art game. Sure. You had Minecraft and stuff, but like it didn't. Yeah. It was just like voxel art was not really a role that people had considered yet. And so finding work in that was really tricky, but, uh, I was working like 10 contracts at once. But yeah, that, that's how I kind of started. And uh, all right, I guess the biggest influencer for me to go, this is right. I, d I did like, I modded Cube World a ton. And I was a big, um, I was a big modder in the community for Cube World. I had like 600 plus asset mods. And that was like, yeah, this is for me. <laughs> so I stuck with it. It's not uncommon to hear the story of people modifying other people's work to actually get into starting things we've had guests from the vast spectrum and the vast history let's face it of video game development everyone from when they started back in the uh, mid 80s where they had none of that and it was just hitting the hardware they had no high level language at all they actually had to go to the actual switches which i know is scary but that's how they that's all they had they had to <laughs> look at all the memory addresses and go okay i want to move that character three you know spaces to the left three hours later yay <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly it like yeah. that, that exploration you, it makes you go like okay so how does this exactly work at least um i i know it's with lou as well but and for me it's we, we like getting really technical about art yeah. and like it's not just making yeah. the art but seeing how we can make it move how we can mm -hmm. make it do the things we want it to do yeah. and i think that's why it fit with games so well yeah, yeah exactly yeah. Yeah. just like the interaction of the art with everything else that makes it come much more alive than than it could ever be it just and makes me so happy to see definitely shows with Moonglow bay really does show um it's the lighting but we'll talk about that later but yeah you've done something <laughs> with the lighting well done subtle it's good uh, people don't talk about that enough but i know you spent a long time on it probably anyway <laughs> you're the first to mention the lighting so i am very yeah. appreciative that's all, right, all right now um so the next question then 
It's a bit. Uh, <laughs> this is the one. It's, it's like you know, a bit infamous because it's too nebulous. People have said it's got a way another way. Can we face this? It's not. Here we go. So, and this is you can answer this as a collective or individually. I do not mind. But as creators of things, for you are that. What are your biggest influences? That is a very tough question. Yeah. What is the thing that you find yourself orbiting around, whether you like it or not? And it could be anything. <laughs> Enjoying the pause. Um, it's okay. Take your time. I think it's going to be very different for Lou and I because we come from very different Absolutely. backgrounds. Absolutely. I um, it was going to be the case. So yeah. you do it individually, but you'll probably find you clearly found common ground because you made this amazing Yeah, thing. oh, yeah. So, <laughs> what, what, so um, Zach, this used to be sort of like... Sure, sort of yeah. Edging towards um, something. I've got to hear, see it in your face. Like, like the influence, the things that make me tick as a creator, basically, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so I've always, I've always had a love for um, just... Again, how things work, and this uh, this dives straight into like hardware. I would like toy with computers, with VCRs, and everything, and I would try to just see how they functioned. And this also went about with games. I always thought when I was young, to make a video game, you had to make the console, not just the game. <laughs> so, so my hopes were dashed pretty quickly because I was like, I can't make a whole console, <laughs> and. <laughs> Uh, but and which is also why I would dive into figuring out how to make machines, how machines worked. But um, my influence has always been regarding that, which is like I I like seeing how things tick. It's also how I got into urban planning. I like seeing how societies function, how you how people flow and move, and that that drive to just how how do things work? How can I make things work? Is really interesting to me it's how it's it's kind of like the challenge i i that gets me into game design as well so it's a everything that comes up is just like it's a challenge people will can throw words at me and i'll, I'll want to make a video game out of those words because it's just i want to see how we can make this this kind of thing work so like my 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 influence is very much around that kind of philosophy um in terms of media content and stuff like that um i've I've played games ever, ever since I can think. <laughs> like, I, I, like my earliest memory is straight up playing a video game. So I'm just like, I, I that's how that's just how it is with me. So like, I've always, I always had a deep love for video games. That um, when I learned that I can actually make them, I was like, oh my god, this is it. Um, and uh, yeah, I think cities, for example, just cities, the, the how cities and cities work always influenced me, which is why Moonglow for on its own has this town, this hub. I put like a lot of love into how that functions. Um, and that means a lot. And, and then this, the same goes with just, just general media, like films and, and, and music. Like just, I, I visualize worlds frequently when reading books, when watching movies, when listening to music. So it's just kind of like that influences and pushes me to want to create those worlds. And this is the outlet I use to create it. And I was like, let's just keep doing that. Well, that's, that's handy because I like exploring them, so keep doing that. <laughs> Happy know, to. Yeah, it's, uh, I do love exploring people's, uh, how they, you know, I read all the Foundation series, I read the Dune books we were talking about earlier on in the virtual green room, because I want to know what universe they're describing here. What is this? Mm -hmm. And uh, um, yeah, it yep. helps being able to visualize it, so I can definitely relate to that. So yeah. Yeah, great and great timing because like, I watched Dune, uh, the most recent Dune. I'm reading it right now to yeah. finish it off. 
we yeah. were we watched we're watching foundation, foundation. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like the perfect getting yeah. ready to read it too so so Lou, what, what's what's the things that get you uh sort of like going, oh yeah that's that's the thing i keep on uh, anchor myself to probably not gonna sound like as deep as, as that All but right. for me uh i always being really like really quiet and really observant so I always loved just like living life and and watch it happen and just registering those memories and I I love bringing like using art as a way to bring it back moments then pivotal yeah moments. exactly not necessarily like pivotal moments some of the god mundane moments but they all matter yeah. right all of them yeah, exactly. So, like, memories of me walking on my parents' neighborhood and then, like, being able to collect black mulberries from, from the trees or, or just, like, a single little memory of me scrolling through a photo album of my family and just exploring how they were before I was even a, a thing in their minds. I, I loved... I, I also love history in general, like, world history. I really, really love it. I love, I love exploring also the mundane within world history, like checking how people dress in a very specific location of a very specific town that nobody really cared about. But like, how would how the things work for those people during major moments in history, rather than the moments themselves, the, the like the big marks? So I always loved those things and putting it into my art, using my art as a way of making it come back alive. And other than that, I I used to be like, I used to be a very rigid teenager. I only liked fantasy books and I only like heavy metal and I only like very specific things and I wouldn't come out of it, but I was completely being against my nature, which is loving every single way of art. Like I love all medias, I love books, love series, TV, video games, love paintings, animation, everything. And I love all, all of the genres within those. I consume every single one. I, I kind of go through phase of being obsessed. Like, I'm going to watch all horror movies I can now. I'm going to watch all fantasy series, read, read dysto uh, dystopian books. So those are the things that are constantly inspiring me, like those little moments. And, mm. and the, I always feel the need to be consuming different types of media and different types of art. Yeah. I mean, the, the history one, I there was a video going around about two or three years ago, maybe longer, but, you know, it is time. But there showed, like, sort of Western Europe and had a thousand years of Western Europe. And it's just look at it and, like, oh, God, and it's just that lots of borders. They would appear, then they'd vanish, then they'd grow, then they'd shrink, and then it'd break up. And then, but although I did find UK kind of just stood there, like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> whatever. <laughs> oh no, they're fighting again. Oh well, and we just <laughs> stood there, like, just like they eventually returned. But as I looked at it, really, really, is that? Yeah, that that was okay. And you look at Germany. This is like, oh boy, it was like these little principalities for centuries. And then all of a sudden, mm -hmm. like in the late sort of 1800s, bam! Like, there you go. One country. Oh! <laughs> like, just one nation. Like, wow! 
Oh, that's why it... it okay, it's fascinating stuff. And then that reminded me of what you said about moments. These are massive sea changes, like cultural sea changes I'm talking about here. But they're still moments, mm. uh, but it's difficult mm-hmm. to pinpoint when that occurred. Why did those principalities suddenly... Or in Italy, similar fate, you know, so it had small little... And then yeah. there was now one nation. Oh, cool. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah, we and how, it. how did yeah. that happen yes. and how did that yeah. affect the, the people the as people, well yeah all of a sudden they're, they're once they're once they were you know a member of that that place and now like oh no you're italian now what like yeah you're, yeah. you're just yeah. italian but but no yeah. you're now just italian <laughs> we've drawn the line you're within it you're within it you're welcome the, welcome there you go <laughs> Um, I was sure it's way more complicated than that, but I just find it fascinating, especially mm-hmm. someone who, like I said, lived and brought up in a country that's been like this for thousands of years. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay. But anyway, wonderful responses. Yeah. Well done. Yeah, I, I just love imagining like what a single person would have been going through in those moments rather than what's up with that led to all the gigantic thing happen. Yeah, happening. there's too much attention paid to that. What about the people involved? Yeah, what were yeah. they doing? Which what, you know became a focus of our game as well when we were yeah. making it, and the the characters individually we would go through and and build a history for every single one of them. What brought them here and why? Mm. Yeah, we, we didn't want to just slap a character in and say they fill a void. It's like no, 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 no. We want them to have a history. Why did they end up in the town? And then try to explain why that they either wear, through. What they wear. Yeah. Yeah. Lou loved doing the why they wear it and what they wear and stuff. Um, and like why, like basically the um, like how they just yeah, basically the, how they ended up there, why they ended up there, and then what's their purpose around your life as well. So like I think that felt it's how you build a breathing world without going too far at least. Yeah. yeah. So next question. <laughs> it's difficult as well. It's like a mini boss sort of thing. In this, you know, it's like. <laughs> it ramps up to a point up really like yeah but this one uh again it could be uh i think it's more like a personal thing than a collective i think but here we go what developer do you most admire in the industry and why who do you point to and go you there you, you carry on doing the thing you're very good at that hmm can be a company oh. or a person or both Company. For me, a company would be. Um, I think we mode. we have a similar one. Yeah, I was gonna say the same thing. <laughs> Sorry, say again. Co-op mode. Okay. From uh, from Montreal. Yeah, just the uh, way that they prioritize the happiness of everyone working on it, and not only happiness, respecting everyone's rights as people and and workers yeah. and. The- and they're very creative, uh, creative, very creative bunch that then that do very just not usual games, and we like and we like highly respect that. Like I've I've known them since I started making games, and seeing how they've grown over the last ten years, um, it's been it, like it's kind of wild. And and I we kind of we both we, we end up both respecting that uh, them as a studio as a collective because yeah. they. They, they they push and push to to challenge um, concepts of what it means to run a studio and stuff and and uh, and it, they keep hitting and they keep doing well with their projects and we just we just love it we love the games they make too. Can you give us some yeah. examples of their work so the listeners can. Um, so yeah. one of their earlier games, Nog G N O G, was a Apple. Absolutely I think it ended up becoming an Apple arcade game. 
Yeah, it's yeah. a very beautiful puzzle game uh, where it's like different uh, different heads that you would rotate and the whole thing. It kind of felt like Polly Pocket, where it's this little toy that yeah, you mess with. And you with would and... explore what, what is inside in the head and like try to solve a puzzle <laughs> by exploring the little objects. It was like little rooms. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it did that perfect so thing of like taking this tiny, tiny space and making you feel like a, a fully explored world that you're mm-hmm. that you're learning about. And it was like it, we both fell in love with that with that game and that project. Um, okay, they and are we're still fascinated by what they're making. Goodbye, Volcano High, I think. Yeah, yeah. that's correct. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Definitely, nice. like as studio goals, it's definitely co-op mode is up there, and I think. When it comes to work itself, I'm absolutely obsessed how this coalition, how studios own the the main disco Elysium, they they created disco Elysium, like which is so much the type of stuff that I also love the the story the the art is incredible the we had so much fun playing it and. And I kept imagining, like, how how was that? How was the creation of that the game? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. We're, we're both on the same wavelength. As, yeah, zone yeah. and and co-op mode, like they they nail it. Zone, like they're just RPG world building is incredible, and it's kind of it hits a stride of like what we want to keep doing with our games. Like even if oh. they're not the the deepest of mechanics, it 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 has to sell this this really clear world with a really with i would say relatively relatively clear intent <laughs> um because obviously that's me by person basis yeah i know i'm i'm also like hmm intent the clear intent is pretty vague with uh, its own but like it's they when they tell what they tell you is just really fascinating i think that yeah that game is just incredible to me and, yeah uh having to be able to tell a story via the uh, interaction of others just Oh boy, that's that's no. You don't want to really. That's where's the narrator? Come on, come on, just, just yeah. one. No, because then that dilutes <laughs> what I'm trying, what they're trying to do. Well, how do I know yeah. what's going on? Well, go talk to someone. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, what I mean. What I've tried to boil down an extraordinarily complex experience that is. Disco Elysium, and it it demoed awfully when I went to shows and stuff because they had it on the show I can, floor. I can like, imagine, yeah, because this is bad. There's, you have to, there's a lot to take in. Yeah. There's so much to take in. You can't really do 15 minutes and go. I understand this. Yeah. No, it's... with with all that cacophony around you, it's just like I. Sometimes I do get lost in games and get drawn. It happens at some shows. Mm-hmm. We've all been there. Like, oh, okay, it all melts in the background, but there was too much intensity. The experience. Yeah. I knew yeah. there was something there, but I walked away again. Yeah, I maybe when I'm on my own, <laughs> not not on this. Yeah, yeah there's oh, a lot of games that I feel like would not do not do well at all in shows, but yeah. they do wonderful when they're let you be the game that they need to be in your home when yeah. everything is calm yeah. and you can pay attention to it. Yeah. So, excellent answers. You're good at this. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so I'm not being patronising honestly I've had guests go, I have no idea I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings yeah. <laughs> I know lots of people Chris I can't answer this question anyway <laughs> so last question of the first half here we go now this is a podcast about video games therefore I have to ask this question it is and now you two aren't living in a bubble what are you playing right now 
Ooh, uh, I am actually playing Halo Infinite. <laughs> I was playing it just just before the multiplayer. Uh, yeah? The multiplayer, yeah. It's, and, it's, still, uh, it's still, still overpowered. I'm kidding. <laughs> it is. It is. It is. Uh, <laughs> I think it, it just hits that perfect stride. Like it has to be. It's like it's as accurate as a sniper, <laughs> which I, I still I love. Um, but yeah, I've been playing that one and and uh, and Forza Horizon Five. But I deleted that so I can make space for Halo Infinite. Oh, um, right, right. Yeah. It's a hard balance. I have a laptop with limited space. Oh, uh, and yeah. Forza is ninety five gigs. <laughs> massive you know why it's the assets oh yeah it's gorgeous yeah um mexico isn't yeah. that great in whatever it's just amazing <laughs> but, uh, uh, i can speak because yeah, the last beautiful. one was in england so i can do that one like, you know although it's quite mm-hmm. amusing like hang on i can't get to there and there in 10 minutes so, 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 oh wait okay <laughs> yeah i was I, yeah living in england and then and then realizing the game set in edinburgh and then you're like it's not this easy to go from countryside to edinburgh <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, okay what about you lou what are you distracting yourself with these days uh i i'm the kind of person that plays the exact three games especially when i'm really stressed okay so this is good what are your so, de-stress games yeah so my distress games are usually civilization now it's um six the five one yeah five, the six, five, six six before yeah. it was five right not one uh <laughs> Usually, <laughs> try it. No, you should try it. If you're playing six, you should try one. I actually should. I actually you should. should. And then you go, really, really? They, <laughs> does people like this? So sometimes I play those older games, and I'm like, but why can't why can't they yeah, bring can't that I... thing from the old game to yeah. the new game, please? <laughs> okay, so we yeah. got Civ Six liking it. Okay, good. What's the next um, one? Any Harvest Moon? I'll play any if they were uh, well rated. Okay. Not well rated. I'm gonna play them. They're gonna nice. be my comfort game. I'm gonna play for hours. Okay. And currently, the comfort game that I'm playing nonstop uh, has been Sims Four. Okay. Because I just want to build houses. I just want to build a family, and then think of their story, and then build the perfect house for them, right. and then keep doing that in an entire neighborhood until everything is redone. So that's what I've been doing. Wow. Basically what we did for our game, and now that the game's done, yeah. you're like, I need yeah. to keep doing this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I do love and the community on... in Moon Globe Bay. It's lovely. They are lovely people. Uh, they're very nice. Yeah. yeah we're... Despite everything. Very lucky. That's amazing. Despite, <laughs> despite, despite the, yeah. Yeah. Despite everything. I'm a little bit spoilers there, but we'll talk about that presently. But uh, no, that's a fine selection of games. I mean, speaking to myself, I cease to say when people say, what games you play? Well, other than Animal Crossing, uh, <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. that's just part of my chores now. It generally is. I've got laundry, Animal Crossing de-weeding. <laughs> just, just, yeah. Just, <laughs> I, I'm scared of going back to my village because I haven't played in a little while, and I yeah. don't, I don't yeah, know yeah. if my, really, my villagers yeah. are gonna be gone. I but, don't want to have lost. No, they don't leave lucky. the new one. Okay, they only so leave us of your own choice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, 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 I don't have my switch with me, and I really want to have it with me so I can play the new update because yeah. it, it's, yeah. it looks so good. When, when you're is, back, we'll do fun. it. Yeah. There's, there's, um, there's, there's now a coffee shop. Yeah. <gasps> oh Bruce, my god. Bruce, Brewster's coffee, so coffee shop. And he, he's oh, wow. amazing. Dave, you'd love it both on two fronts. That's what's sort of relaxing because it's coffee. Second of all, the lighting and the sound. I think I saw. Was amazing. it was it where there was a screenshot of Rossetti? Yeah. 
think so. Oh my god, I saw that was so beautiful, yeah. and I was so happy to see Rizetti too. Yeah, it's just it's really you hear every clink of every cup and every just oh, yes, you know, that's incredible. Way too loud. It's way it shouldn't be that loud, but it had to be because. <laughs> That's the only I've been watching my friend play. Yeah. It looks beautiful in there. It's it's a larger space than usual yes. for the interiors. Yeah. yeah. And it, like, yeah. they have the full front and the atmosphere yeah. is gorgeous. Yeah. No. Yeah. And everything's deliberate. Every movement is deliberate, very slow. And mm-hmm. Like like nice. just just can we just chill for a moment? Okay. Yeah. I, I do appreciate that. The antithesis of Starbucks is no fast. It's like you'll get it. Oh yeah, no, nobody screaming. <laughs> no, no. The water right, from Marcus is... like, you know, Yeah. None of that. It's just you and the coffee. It's great. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. So that's the end of the first half. Well done. Let's move on to the second half of the show, where we delve deep, pun intended, <laughs> to Moon Glow Bay. First question, mm-hmm. regular listeners will know, isn't really a question, it's a request, because we can't talk in detail about Moon Glow Bay until we know what it is. So, in your own words, best of luck with this, because I don't know how you're going to do this, what is Moon Glow Bay? Uh, Moon Glow Bay is a slice-of-life fishing RPG set in eastern Canada, where you're tasked to figure out what happened to your long-lost partner while dealing with your own grief of their loss. And the town, with their parallel story of having to deal with the fact that everyone's afraid to fish, and you're the only one willing to go out and do this and help rebuild that, the economy of the town. It's the best way I can explain it. Yeah. And it's presented in like or a third-person uh, sort of viewpoint. It's isometric. Yes. It's not quite isometric. Yeah. I yeah. just use it as an abbreviation. I know what isometric oh, actually is, but, you know, it's a sort of angled view from above yeah uh, exactly and uh, yeah and it rotates and to the point but we'll talk about that later and uh, yeah and <laughs> you interact with lots of people lots of things lots of creatures and of course your dog which of course you have to pet yes it's the very first thing we implemented and it's the first thing i did i think <laughs> dog. I went, well i have to pet the dog if i don't i mean there's a whole tweet thread about petting dogs in you know, mm-hmm. Oh yes, we all know in in uh, in Hades mm-hmm. we get pet, get to pet Cerberus, and like, of course you do because it's <laughs> Cerberus. It's got three heads. Doesn't matter. But... Mm-hmm. Um, That's but, my shame. Yeah, but um, 
So yeah, I think yeah, I think that pretty sums it. And it's very, it's very sedate. You know, it's not, it is not it's the antithesis indeed of Halo or yes, or any of those very much. bang bang games. Um, and there's anything wrong with those? I will be picking it up when it eventually comes out in about a month or so from the time of recording. Actually, mm-hmm. no, it's even less, isn't it? It's closer than I think. Lovely. Um, but um, yeah exciting times but this is not that it's really a game that there's no but sometimes there's a bit of a rush to do something we'll talk about it in a second we'll keep on saying that yeah very few of those but for the most part the intent of the game is that we want you to just relax take it easy and uh, go at your own pace yeah there's no it's fine you know easy does it now Mm -hmm. one of the things that struck me as I was playing Mingo Bay was how the the sense of rebuilding the town itself mm-hmm. through your efforts struck me. Now, whether I've interpreted this correctly, I do not know. But it struck me as a metaphor for a player's character rebuilding themselves because they have suffered grief, the worst kind mm-hmm. of grief. Their partner had gone missing after three years and uh, they come back and uh, they're presumed dead which is the worst because you don't know and that's the worst yeah. yeah and they've gone to you know state of depression and no longer you know functioning as they did and reflected in the town and others felt that this rebuilding was a metaphor for rebuilding the player's character as well as the town itself was that intentional very much. Uh, I think like from the very beginning, uh, when we were doing the the house itself, I think that's where Lou was trying to be the most exact about it. Where yeah. the first space that you you come from after the three year uh, gap at the intro is your home, and your home is a mess, which was like the perfect onboarding of of showing. It was the best way we can show without being so clear via dialogue um, that you're not you're not exactly in a healthy state right now, and mm-hmm. you need to clean up and your daughter makes that very clear um but yeah that was very very much something what lou wanted to um to make obvious from uh, from the interior of the house and uh yeah. same again with the with the town itself uh, it's not only you everyone comes comes along for that ride essentially where it's kind of like lou, uh, lou can explain it with the community thing but like basically like yeah. we wanted to build a community and the best way to do build that community is to make it feel like it's a shared feeling across yeah it's uh not only like the best way but uh growing up i know i I kept noticing by observing people a lot that even a very a very small thing that happened with someone that is your your neighbor and you got to know third hand it affects your life it affects how how your sense of safety and and if kind of it it, cha- it can change you significantly and i felt like something that big happening to in such a small town would kind of reverberate throughout the entire town yep. it would affect it would make every, if if someone an experienced fisherman got disappeared after going fishing who are the others who have the courage to to go and and fish and continue continue this keeping this town alive mm-hmm. so it kind of 
I, I see that a lot of the times something that happens in a neighborhood is gonna just ripple throughout to one was, person is gonna ripple throughout the entire neighborhood yeah it was very much very much intent from the beginning of the game we kind of do it very slowly where it's not the, the very main focus at the, at the start to rebuild everything but come uh, come a little bit further in once you've kind of built a little bit of your confidence as, uh, in, your, in your player then it's kind of like hey you know let's we have this to do. It's a mission that we have to do together. So, yeah, it's... Uh, and it goes back yeah, to very... what Lou was saying earlier about moments and how important they were and are to your inspiration. It's like, yeah, the moments matter more than people give them credit. And mm -hmm. uh, this, in this, in the Moonglow Bay, the moment is the loss of that fisher folk, fisher person. Yeah. Whether they may, whatever gender they may be. And um, they, uh, that's, that's quite, you know, it just struck me. And I just want to ask you about it just to make sure I interpreted it right. And also yeah. Yeah. to draw that out of you. So, yeah, you yeah. got it. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so the next question is more mechanics question now. <laughs> the act of fishing in Moonglow Bay is not as much of a dexterity challenge as you find in other games with fishing in it, and I'm citing Sea of Thieves, or indeed Sega Bass Fishing, one of my favourite Sega Saturn no, uh, Dreamcast games. There you go. Um, <laughs> but uh, that's a whole thing that's just about you battling with you and the rod and the fish and yes. all sorts. Now, clearly, you didn't want to have that, but I want to ask: How have you found playing with that, pushing the boundaries of making it a thing, or making it a yeah. thing? If you get, you know, it's just like, how yeah. anchored is the experience around the act of, of fishing? You didn't want to make it a barrier, did you? But no, neither did you want to make it a chore. Yeah. So is that? that yeah, balance? exactly. So was, you, that was particularly yeah. tricky. Hmm. Yeah, it was particularly tricky because, yeah, we didn't want exactly the, 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 that split where it's kind of like simulation E uh, with those well, people who make play the uh, simulated fishing games. And, and we didn't want it to be too arcadey like in Sega Pro Bass Fishing, as much as I love all of those, because I play them all, and I absolutely love them. Stardew Valley. It was, yeah, and Stardew Valley, where it's pretty chaotic. Uh, yeah. A lot of people yeah. cite it as a really hard fishing game. Um, I We knew since it was the core mechanic of the whole game, it cannot strike those extremes, because yeah, then you're going to... Especially when it should be relaxing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, it had to match the town, it had to match the vibe we were going for, and... Um, it was uh, very much the case. It did. We did end up diving into those those realms, nonetheless, where we did end up making mechanics where it was a lot more strict, a lot more uh, intense, and others which were a lot calmer, a lot easier. Um, so the lack of reflex is twofold. Uh, one, which is um, we wanted to be able to play the game ourselves. For example, Lou has uh, has arthritis, and so she can't mash. Uh, so we don't want a mechanic that requires you to mash. Moves, yeah. Uh, we didn't want to have to make you react too quickly because your well your reflexes aren't aren't heightened, um, and because our team we're actually we're the youngest on our team. Everyone is over uh, it's predominantly over thirty, and, just want uh, relax. and we want yeah we want to relax. We want to be able to take it easy. Yeah. So the mechanics we kind of there was definitely we had to make use of the Q, uh, QTEs. That was a given, um, uh, but it wasn't a case of making them like in Sega Pro Bass where it's like prompt comes up hit it. If you if you don't if you don't hit it you failed immediately and say like, mm, that's not rewarding so by tying other systems in and this is where we kind of found the balance in it all by tying other systems in like the the the, the growth of the town and the cook uh, and the cooking as well 
it became more that the phishing was the tool that accelerated everything else. And so it kind of, that gave players the incentive to want to fish more, but also it allowed us to make sure that even if the phishing isn't the most intense uh, experience in either way, it it felt nice. Like every fish you caught, you're like, oh, okay, sweet. I got this fish. I can move forward from this. It's not, it's, it's not, just, it doesn't start and end with fishing. It continues from there. Yeah. I mean, speaking personally, I, I had uh, violent flashbacks about World of Warcraft when I was fishing for a particular type of fish in a particular location to, to cook <laughs> and then pass to the warrior. Wasn't even for me. To, to, for the raid because it gave him a buff of health and mm-hmm. it was just and that was like similar to that I mean that was tedious because all I had to wait for the thing to bob and I'd hit a button and it would automatically do it but you've just got yeah. a little bit more like though this is an interactive thing you do and it's calming yeah. and nice thing to do but you know the, the, the it's like yeah you'll get you'll pick it up you'll get it and you'll you'll pick up yeah. thing. you'll get something you know, yeah, but there is, there's still a bit of a challenge. Like, there is. it's not there su- is. it's not super easy, but it's no. simple enough where you kind of it feels yeah. natural. I think like just the fish pulling against you and you having to pull against it, yeah. like that. I think comes secondary to everyone. Like, yeah. oh, I, I get it. Yeah, almost well, like having to balance players' uh, level of stress a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah, yeah. You don't want trying not know, to hit it. Yeah, you don't want people yelling. Oh, come on, game! Really, come on. Yeah, which exactly. Is, which is what happens in Sea of Thieves. Like, where's the fish gone? Under the boat. Oh, come on! And it has, <laughs> and it snaps the rod, and it just gets all the chaos. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's what I felt. It was just a lovely sort of it fit so well with the rest of the experience. Because it could have been something else. You could have turned it, it could have gone another way. So easily. So easily. But you still managed to mm-hmm. fit in what is probably the most interactive aspect of uh, Mungo Bay. <laughs> To versus everything else. Um, speaking of everything else in Wingo Bay, there's a lot to keep track of. There's the fish you catch, the recipes you have, the um, the tackle you've got, the type of rods, and all sorts. Lots to keep track of. What mechanics, what systems have you put in place in Wingo Bay to prevent the player from feeling overwhelmed? I think that was more to do with uh, how Lou presented the UI when she was design, designing it, because what was most important was making sure that all of this information isn't thrown to you on a single screen and then having to look at it. Personally, I always got overwhelmed when I saw that too. Like uh, most fishing games, they kind of just show you the rods, the lures, the f- tackle, everything, everything's on there. And you're just like, oh, where do I start? How, what, what does this all mean? And uh, we kind of brought that in a little bit at a time. Um, especially with the pacing we didn't introduce all the rods at the very beginning of the game so i think that came down to like the pacing of the quest uh which introduced all of these like for example the low grade bait you start with nothing in low grade and then the high grade kind of kicks in in the second chapter of the game in the game and uh and then the the extra rods only kick in in the second chapter but it's spread across that chapter as well and then with lose ui presented it where there's always one object one that's shown to you first in the in the layout Luke can explain yeah, that a little it's, bit uh, I think one thing that we wanted to avoid a lot was for for the things that you're presented with they are actually fun stuff that you want to know about so I want to know how to make this recipe I want to I wanna look at the, the recipe if it looks nice I want to I wanna know all about the fish 
but do I really want to know how how does raw like how many hundreds of rods you can have while fishing when we can just like reduce it down to you're gonna have four rods and you can combining it with bait and lure you can have like loads of combinations but the numbers stay where they they matter and they are fun and the the rest kind of doesn't need to be shown i i have worked in many games in which i've been requested to let's show every single little thing every single little stat possible on the screen and there is no talking out of it and i always found that extremely overwhelming overwhelming when i just hey if i'm playing a strategy game there is like there is there's information that is relevant but there is other information that really i have no control over so why am i being presented with that information as a piece of ui instead of just being a thing that happens diegetically uh throughout the game so yeah that, that was more or less the philosophy that we had going on yeah yeah it's, uh, yeah, it's really, like yeah it really works and for me what you're describing what i call dota syndrome you go to the shop and go okay get get something well i don't know you've got three seconds to choose something but get something now <laughs> what get get the thing that makes you better which thing i don't know yeah <laughs> and, it's just, and there's just like yeah. way too many way yeah. too many way too many choice yeah. yeah and and also like with the recipes i think one of the easiest things is that we only tied it to the fish uh, we could have easily gone down the route of like every ingredient in the recipe matters and you need to go buy that. But we're like, that's not what matters in this scenario. Like we're fishing. Yeah, it's, so it's let's a make fishing the fish game. Just... The, the cooking is a secondary thing. So we're going to simplify it even more. And then the vending is, should be Which even I'll... simpler because it's not a selling yeah. management game. It's like a fishing game that you happen to sell stuff. And you yeah. can yeah. happen to cook that. I mean, for which me, lets us make like sixty recipes and and not have to worry about it feeling too overwhelming because there's only one thing that matters is the fish. Yeah, uh, although you know the cooking just made me feel like vengeance against monster hunter and stuff like you know because <laughs> I could never cook in that game. There's the amount of times you just like I did it perfectly last time. Yeah, but this one was rubbish. Why? I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> Um, and because it never did, it hasn't ever. Uh, I think it's got better over the last two years or so. Monster Hunter Rise and stuff, it's good, but mm -hmm. I'm not playing the first one, like, come on, game again. That, yeah, know. it's it's like the timing of the that one is like down to the timing of the music, like yes. the second, even. It's, and you're like, yes. come on, come on, there's no whereas with Moonglow Bay, you have a nice little dial or lovely graphic representation of what you need yeah. to do, you know, to get to make the best fish and chips, which is no mean feat, I can tell you. <laughs> Lou, Lou and Shelly had a lot of fun making that. Like, Shelly, the lead programmer, also loves doing UI, so they were bouncing off each other really well. Lou would make the mock-up, Shelly would animate it, and it's like, they didn't have to discuss it, they just knew yeah. <laughs> how well to, to throw it. It really it was worked. great. It really worked. But um, I want to ask the last question now. Here we go. I know all good things must come to an end, but here we are. I want to ask about the camera because you did a really good job with it. It's a little bit intelligent. Oh. Um, Thank you. You do have control over it to a degree, but yes. ultimately, you well the 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 computer or the game or the code says, well, you need to see this much, so I'm only going to show you <laughs> this much. You don't need to see the whole thing. You just need to. So, mm -hmm. so the zooming in and the the rotating slightly, it's very subtle, but I thought it was wonderful. 
Could you talk us through how the camera, how that aspect, and also the the sense of the, making sure that the player has a sense of place in Ringo Bay, and they always know where they are relative to other things. So, like, the, yeah, yeah. tell us, talk yeah, us that about was... that, please. <laughs> so there, uh, the camera itself, we always knew we wanted to do a bit of an isometric one, and that's uh, due to the and, art itself. Yeah. And fun fact, it's not actually isometric per se, because we were having difficulty with something related to the shader. I don't remember what, mm. but it's it's a FOV5. Yeah. It's yeah. super yeah. pulled back and FOV5, and that, that kind of was the closest that we managed to get to isometric without... Yeah making sacrificing yeah. the there's, there's only one isometric game well there is a way older one but let's not talk about you know night law i'm talking about mm-hmm. diablo that's the one that the people point to that's like yeah. a classic it's not that everyone mm. it's just that zoomed out view but no yeah. it's it's really clever how yeah. you sort of zoom in and out and you just but is that more luck than act than than judgment sounds like judgment, the really. The, the zooming in and the tilt that comes at the very end of that zoom was very much like uh, like strategy because like personally I knew one of the issues that we were having when we were only locked to isometric to that pulled out view pulled out. was that people still weren't weren't quite able to pinpoint where they were so like it doesn't I want to be able to see a little bit ahead of me and that's yeah. exactly what that yeah. zoomed in one was is that I wanted to kind of give that almost sense of over the shoulder feel without presenting too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, because the game would probably slow down significantly <laughs> if we yeah. did it front yeah. on. So uh, that was very much one of like that was that was finding the exact number for the the speed and tilt was really hard. I spent I think I easily two weeks just tweaking it over and over again and having people try it and say this is feel weird. Some also, people felt nauseous and yeah. some. I think oh. Shelley was also experimenting experimenting with that a bit. Yes. Yeah, she was uh, specifically with like how it interacted with interiors as well, uh, because I personally initially wanted to do like uh, when you're in the interior, it focuses in on you more and you, then you can move within that space. But she was like, no, no, let's present it as the full on uh, diorama. diorama view. And if there are moments that require you to see a thing, we'll zoom in like in the in the aquarium. And it it all worked really well, I think. Um yeah. And also, lastly, the you're saying figuring out where you were. Yes. Initially, yes. the game had no had no compass. No. The game had no compass. We just <laughs> left it without that bottom left compass, and um, and it was just kind of like um, I don't even. It's been so long, but I, I can't remember what would. It was just weird. I think. Yeah. Initially, everyone got lost. Everyone got absolutely lost. And as as yeah. much as like the game had a, a very specifically designed uh, town layout with a single major street people still got lost. And you're like, hmm, with one major people got lost, that's a problem. And uh, then Lou drew over the whole map to yeah. uh, to to get that into an actual like compass view with the map. But, like, yeah, each even area just... has, a, has different colors and you kind of can recognize what area you are based on the major building color and the other buildings as well. So that was a fair bit of redesigning on that. And still, that that was the need for our compass, probably coming from the fact that in real life we don't we don't see things in isometric isometric view. We can like we can yeah, identify yeah. where we we are better if we're in first it's, person, which yeah. is not the case for the game. Well, it's a, it's it's the perspective view actually what we see, which is not often yes. re- um, represented in video games for a variety of obvious reasons. It does it does exist in VR. We all know that. 
otherwise VR wouldn't yeah. work. And that's why you get these interesting distorted views. But um, yeah, it all depends on the game. Horror games love the fisheye sort of like wide angle camera mm. because it's just distorting yeah, they really this, do. this view because it's not real, everyone. Oh, scary, really. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sometimes it works, sometimes not so much. <laughs> but uh, no, thanks for sharing that because I just found it. People don't understand how much effort goes into that, what would seem benign. But how hard mm. could it be? I just want to see how things are. Well. What was I think the hardest part too was figuring out how it worked in every point of, of gameplay interaction. So like in the fishing, we have to lock it when you're fishing so you can't do a full three sixty view yeah. like when you're um when you're in town. Because then you can uh, then, lose your fish while doing yeah. that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. reducing. Kind of like setting the limits well. so that the player can't make their lives harder because yeah. so, like that'll happen where a player will do something that will in in make it make them hate the instance and it's like Yes, it's caused by the player, but they were going to blame the game. <laughs> They're yeah. not going to blame themselves. So it's like, let's give these tolerances, basically, to make it much easier for them. And it, yeah, I think it worked. So, Moonglow Bay uh, is developed by yes. Bunny Hug. Great name, by the way. Where's it, where's it come from? Is it just affection uh, towards bunnies? Or? We, it's actually a Canadian we, thing. Yeah, we kind of kept doing like names that sounded like mobile mobile game studios and right. we weren't planning on making mobile games and i started searching like stuff that we like and mm -hmm. something related to mungo as well which is set in the east coast of canada and i think i, I found the expression like bunny hug which means hoodie in uh, uh in saskatchewan in canada and then i brought it to zach and he loved it because he also loves yep. bunnies. He does love bunnies a lot. <laughs> I do. So, <laughs> so it kind of was perfect. It was like that it was... perfect. Yeah, it was perfect because it, it had like a Canadian-ness to it. Uh, the name was nowhere to be found. Uh, the and, that I like. And it has the scale, like that that whole scale of like, it, it, it's small. We were a small studio on Bunny Hug. Is, it, it feels very cozy, which is what we plan to make from now into the future. Cozy games, games that make you feel comfortable. And like you're wearing a hoodie, like a bunny hug. Um, so it, it kind of like fit. Lou found it and we're like, this is perfect. Yeah. So, yes. Uh, and it's um, published by CodeSync, our good friends at CodeSync. Yes. And uh, mm -hmm. it's available on which platforms, please? Could you tell us what, what's come out on? It's now on um, all Xbox platforms from Xbox One to the Series X and S uh, and on Game Pass, well. Game yeah. Pass PC. And uh, it's also on Steam on PC and Epic Game Store on PC. Yeah. And and which PC is it? Like is this Windows PC? Windows, yeah. Uh, yes, Windows. Uh, and also available now. It's available on mobile X via XCloud. Yes. Like the the touch controls, uh, the Microsoft has worked on the touch control, so nice. you can nice. the, the entire game now. Yeah, I've actually yeah. streamed some games on my iPhone. Which I need, need to upgrade soon, which I'm going to in about a month or so. But it's got mm -hmm. a backbone controller, so it's actually got a proper like controller. Oh, you nice. Stream actual, like, you know, it's the streaming Lonely Mountains downhill on my phone. That was amazing. Because that. <laughs> but uh, I, I've uh, I've been playing Moonglow Bay on my PC. Um, but uh, yeah, it's an extraordinary thing. And thank you very much for being such excellent guests. Thank, Thank you, you so much for having us. Yeah. yeah. Um, you've uh, definitely um, 
shared a lot about your creation and uh, it's a remarkable achievement, I've got to say. And you're more than welcome to come back to talk about whatever next you're going to make, whatever that is. You're probably already at it. Who knows? Probably are. Uh, but I know you can't talk about it yet. But uh, we do have, uh, we've had a lot of return guests over the years and uh, we will be here. So uh, just let us know Fantastic. and we'll be back. But thank in the meantime, you so much. thank you very much. Thank you. Oh, thank, thank you so much. And thank we're going to, we're going to remember for sure. <laughs> yes. We'll, we'll let you know for sure. You have been listening to the Sausage Factory podcast, part of the Cane and Rinse Collective. Support us for just two US dollars per month at patreon.com forward slash Cane and Rinse for early, extended, and exclusive podcasts. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube, and at our website, Cane and Rinse. Dot com. <laughs>